This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. Pattern raked it free from Lucic, then turned it over. Strom centering pass. Lucic trying to short Pally. Then a quick shot. Score! Tie game! Ryan Nugent Hopkins, his second of the night. And the giveaway turns into the equalizer. It's 4 all with 7.44 to go. Big goal by the Nuge that tied it 4-4. Then Matt Benning won it with 2.27 left. And the Oilers beat the Dallas Stars 5-4 to open up their five-game homestand. Thanks a lot for joining us. It's 10.49 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. You can text us at 6.30, Uh Carl and Drumheller says, uh, Rob, thanks for sharing that story about Ken Hitchcock as his junior coach. I grew up in that era. Thanks for listening, Carl and uh, Drumheller. Allen says the title for that movie could be The Penalty Box of Death. That's not bad. Sorry, what was that? The Penalty Box of Death. Not bad. <laughs> no, it's not bad. I could, I, uh, I could name a bunch of other names for the start of a movie that hitches in, but we won't digress to that. Another texter says, can you explain why the Oilers struggle to break out of their zone so much? It seems there is an alarming amount of occasions when the Oilers have possession but are unable to make it out clean. Well, a lot of it will be on the forecheck that's coming in against them. Good forechecking teams force teams to make mistakes. Um, the Oilers at times struggle to get the puck off the boards and out. You know, the winger, his job is to, when you get the puck on your stick as a winger, you got to get the puck over the blue line. It doesn't matter if you put it on the your other forward stick, but make sure the puck gets outside. And when you turn the puck over, that's where a lot of good scoring chances come against you. And the Oilers have been guilty of that. But to me, it's A, not making good first passes, B, not receiving the pass well, and C, and probably the most important thing, the other team is a good forechecking team, and uh, that sometimes gets the Oilers into trouble. Teams teams know what you're going to do sure. you know, through all the videos, so they know what you're trying to do, and if they're on their game and they're executing well, they're going to be there. So now it's a battle of who has a will better, who executes better, and unfortunately some nights it's the other team. I, I didn't think the Oilers were near as bad. No, I thought regard. they were much better tonight. Yes. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes, you know, the other team is going to win the battle or, yep. or keep a puck in. I, I do think this, Rob, and we, have, we haven't talked about this tonight, but it has been another theme that the Oilers have, you know, some fast skaters, but I, I wouldn't classify them as a fast team overall. Nope. We, you know, we've often talked about the speed in terms of on the attack, what happens from the red line in. But if you don't have speed... It hurts you winning a race when the puck's rimmed around, the D-man's racing to keep it in, the forward's racing to try to chip it out or body the D-man. And, and I think that is an area where some of the speed or lack of speed on the wings hurts the Oilers. It, it does, yes. Uh, the way you combat that is you have good anticipation. I mean, I was a terrible skater, so you have to read the play before the play happens, know where the puck's going to be so that you can... Uh, I don't know if the word's cheat, but you can anticipate it so you get a head start on the, the player that you're going out against. And sometimes players get caught watching instead of reacting. So, for example, the puck's coming around and Milan Lucci choose uh, it's his wing. He's got to read the play knowing, okay, that defenseman, I see he's got nothing on his side. He's going to be rimming the puck get that extra step so that he can beat the defenseman pinching down because anytime a puck is rimmed around, 95% of the time the teams in the National Hockey League, that offside defenseman is pinching. That's what they're, they're, they're told to do. They're getting down there. They're trying to beat the winger to it. So as a winger, you've got to get there first, and sometimes it's just anticipating and reading the play quicker than the player you're playing against. 
Why it says glad for the two points tonight, but concerned about the Oilers special teams. Power play has been subpar. PK has been brutal. If this team plans to be a division champ, we need our special teams going as soon as possible. I feel like it's time to take Lucic off the power play. I'm also concerned with the play Maroon has presented so far on the top line. Kudos to Stroman, Nugent Hopkins for their play tonight. Glad to see the Oilers get some bounces. All right, that's from Wyatt. A few thoughts in there. I mean, uh, Maroon's got a four-game point streak. Mm -hmm. I, I, I actually think the last four games he's looked more like the Maroon of, of last season, personally. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, he's been good. Uh, hey, the power play, it's going to have... Each power play is one's going to have Maroon, one's going to have Lucic. Right. Because they need net front presence. Now, if you want to flip-flop them, fine. It, it doesn't matter. It, and sometimes it might it might have been easier having Maroon on the first power play unit simply because he plays with McDavid and Drysaddle already. They're a line. It's easier for line changing. But one of those guys is going to be on each power play because there's no one else on the team up front that they're going to have unless you throw a Cassian in there. But Cassian is more on the penalty-killing side. Maroon and Lucic are on the front. I'm not worried at all about the power play. The power play is going to come. It's more or less the same power play they had last year, and their power play was very good last year. So that power play will come. The penalty-killing, though, is a much uh, is different. There's players that were penalty-killers that are no longer with this team. It eventually will get to the standard that it needs to be, but I think that one is a worry right now because the power play might be off a bit. The penalty killing is off a lot. Yes. I mean, when you're, I don't know if they're dead last in the NHL now, but after tonight they might they be. They might be close. And we're yeah. talking, a good power play is around 90%, 80, high 80s, 90%. They're at 70 so that is a huge drop-off of where they were last year. The penalty killing must get better. It eventually will. But they cannot afford to keep losing games because of a penalty kill early in the season because these are points they desperately need. Tonight, they overcame bad penalty killing. 5-4. The Oilers win it. Late goal by Matt Benning with 2.27 left. Here's the Oilers defenseman. One of those games, Matt, where you guys just kind of had to hang, hang around and keep waiting for your chances? Yeah, that's exactly it. I think... Uh, they made some good plays in the power play, and we didn't hang our heads and feel bad for ourselves. We just went out there and uh, battled, and I thought we had a pretty good game down low and took pucks to the net and got bodies to the net. You've been waiting for some good things to start happening. How much will this help, you think? Yeah, it helps the confidence a little bit. Um, but all in all, just trying to get more pucks to the net, generate more offense. Uh, not just me, just all the D. So I think that we did a good job tonight getting pucks to net. Forwards were there. It was a slap shot. I just saw he came out to me, and there was some room on the left side of him, so kept it on the ice. And never know what happens when when the puck when the puck yeah when the puck gets there. So good things happen when you shoot. It's good for you guys. I mean, you don't want to score a season high four goals and lose. I mean, you want to finish the deal, right? Yeah, I think it was a sign that. Uh, Good sign for our team. We it was a close game going into third, and those are the kind of games that you need to win to be be there in the playoffs. So um, step in the right direction and uh, get some confidence in this locker room. On that first snooze goal, you, you took a pretty big hit there. Is that the that old case where you take the hit to make the play? Yeah, I got smoked there, <laughs> but uh, you just got to do it. Uh, it's either you or the other guy, and um, I chipped the puck. We went down and scored, but he had a good look on me, so it's just a trade-off. Thanks, Matt. Thanks. that's Matt Benning. All right, Brendan Ulrich working the dressing room. Benning gets the game winner, made some good plays. Yeah, took a big hit to uh, help set up a goal in the second period, and, and it, was, it was one of those types of games, Rob, where 
and you talked about Hitchcock's uh, reaction, and probably you could probably go through individual every individual player and find a couple of tough moments or or, or more, and and find some some good plays as well. It was one, it was one of those games that it just felt like there was a lot of action, and it, it was a game where you felt like it was going to be four three or five four, and it was five four in the end. Yeah, there there was a, a lot going on out there. There were some big hits. There was. Uh, some subpar refing, as, as you referenced to. There were some, some beautiful goals scored, uh, some mistakes. I mean, it it was a fun game to watch. You know, they, they you saw some elite level skill on display tonight, and you also saw some so, some brain cramps on both sides of the, the ice. Both both Dallas and and Edmonton could look at the video and find things that they certainly need to correct. Uh, the the good thing about it is the Oilers get to correct things with two points in the bank, and when you have a learning experience, you'd love to be able to learn from your mistakes, yet still say, yeah, we won this hockey game. It, it was a a confidence builder for a number of players. A couple, you know, the, the Nugent Hopkins line has a big game. The the McDavid line, they get off the snide. Drysaddle coming back in his second game back, he has a a good night. Benning, who has been a healthy scratch and then missed a couple of games because he was sick, has a big goal, and I thought he played very well. And again, the emergence uh, uh, of Darnell Nurse, one of the callers called earlier, one of the texters talked about it earlier, how much better he is playing. So there was a lot of good things that happened in this game tonight, but also teaching points that the coaching staff will be able to point out uh, tomorrow when the team meets. Zach texting in, he says, the Oilers remind me of Philly a few years ago, could not score, had a terrible start, but when they loaded their top line with Giroux, Voracek, and Simmons, they rallied and made the playoffs. Dreisaitl needs to stay on the first line to ensure some pucks get in the net. That is from Zach. Well, I think he stayed, he stayed there for for the uh, short term uh, anyway. But there's there, there there is flexibility in the lineup. What we'll see, I mean, the, they're going to have to find, like you said, Rob, the, that that line is going to be great. I mean, most li- most nights, Drysdale, McDavid, and Maroon are going are going to be able to do something and, and forecheck. And I mean that that Maroon goal, we should say. I mean that was with 24 seconds left in the period. With 36 seconds left, Dallas iced it, mm-hmm. and right over the boards that line came out, gets possession off the faceoff, and, and Maroon throws it at the net. But yeah, I, I mean I think that I think this is going to be a good team if they're going to be very good or great then you're going to have to have some depth guys you know, either repeat what they did last year, if it's Latestu or whoever, or Nugent Hopkins, Strom, get you know, 8, 10, 12 points more than they did last year. Yeah, I, I mean, the goal is hey, just to make the playoffs. I know that everyone wants to win, you know, win the division, win the conference, whatever, but it's to make the playoffs. Once you make the playoffs, anything can happen. We saw that uh, over the last number of years. Nashville is a great example last year. I believe they came in eighth and they go yep. to the Stanley Cup Finals. So make the playoffs. Uh, as far as the lines, I mean, and you and I have said every night, Drysdale and my team plays with Connor McDavid. For that to happen, to be able to happen, you need a secondary line. You need a second line that can go out there and, and be productive. Hopefully, and this is what the Oilers were hoping for when they traded Everly for Strom, hopefully Strom could be that right winger that allows the Nugent-Hopkins line to be a productive line as well. And if that line is productive like they were tonight, then Drysaddle can stay with McDavid as long as you want. Because right. now you've got two lines. And then your third and fourth line become energy lines that can throw in a goal here and there. And I think a Latestu or a Cassian or players of that ilk are able to produce whether it be a 10 or 15 goal season. And if you have that out of your bottom six players, then you can have a good hockey club. But for this team, and 
for this team to be successful, Connor McDavid's line has to be productive each and every night. And for that to happen, Dreisaitl, to me, has to be the guy playing with Connor McDavid right now until you find someone else that can do it better. Three assists for Dreisaitl tonight. Oilers beat the Stars 5-4. Quick news and weather update. Then you're coming back to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. This is the Canadian Brew House Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 6.30 chair. Now the power play is over for Dallas. Drysaddle has control of the puck. Beautiful play by Strome. Breakaway. McDavid to the net. Rich shot score. Strome fresh out of the box. Makes his best play as an oiler. And as usual, it involves Connor McDavid, who takes it hard to the net and beats Ben Bishop. McDavid's fifth of the season opened the scoring tonight at Rogers Place. The Edmonton Oilers go on to beat the Dallas Stars 5-4. Here is the Oilers captain. Uh, you know, a, lot of, a lot of talk has been made about our offense and you know, lack thereof. So, um, you know, good for, uh, you know, we got, we got some bounces too. I mean, you look at the second goal, even the last goal. Um, you know, but you need those. Yeah, he's been great, honestly. Um, you know, he's good all over the ice, and, and that's what we need. Um, you know, he's a great two-way player. Um, you know, his, his offense is great, and his defense is, is uh, maybe even better. So um, you know, he's a guy that's, uh, that's big for us. He stepped up tonight. You were kind of power on power tonight. You saw a lot of Ben and Sagan. Is that kind of one of those matchups that, I mean, they can skate the way they play the game? You look forward to that kind of a head-to-head matchup? Yeah, it was exciting. Um, you know, that's a great line. Uh, those three guys can play. Um, you know, they zip the puck around and can skate real well. So good challenge for, for our line defensively. And um, you know, we did a, a fairly good job. I mean, they were good on the power play. But um, you know, I thought we did a fairly good job uh, and generated some offense as well, which is good. So um, that was yeah. good. All right, there's Connor McDavid, so his fifth goal of the season tonight, and especially in, I thought really in the first period, Rob, he was just flying. He was. Uh, he, he did look frustrated at times, though, and I think it had to do with the non-calls. He, the, the one cool thing being up here, and we've talked about it before, being in the press box, you can see plays that are going to develop. We have a an uncanny ability up here because we get to see it, and it, everything slows down when something is going to happen. And there was two times in the first period where puck was laid by an Oiler defense or an Oiler player behind the defenseman of the Dallas Stars, and you could see, okay, McDavid is about oh, 20 feet behind the Dallas Stars. Yeah, he's going to beat them to the puck, and he did. And uh, both times. The, the first one, he was it was a stick that went across the middle of his body about six, seven times. And eventually the McDavid didn't get to the puck. And the other one, two defenders came and hit him at the same time when he didn't have the puck. And he went down. And again, and the, both times, McDavid looked at the ref like, okay, seriously, at some point you've got to give me the call. Uh, and, and he didn't get the calls. And there was some frustration. But what I liked about it, we've seen before when he, earlier this season, he got frustrated and it got him off his game. Tonight it didn't affect him. He just kept going at it, and I know that he only finished with one goal on the score sheet, but he created a number of great opportunities. His line scored three goals in the game tonight. So, Connor, uh, a very good game again for Connor McDavid, and he, he just led led by example with his work ethic and his, his tenacity going after the puck and not letting any play die. Oilers take it 5-4. Cam is our finish-the-play winner tonight. He gets an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set U Park. 
brought to you by Jet Set Parking. Park cheap and easy. Visit JetSetParking.com. We should talk about some of the other players on the Oilers. I mean, Jujar Kara had, had been a scratch for a couple games. He gets in tonight, plays a, a little bit over seven minutes, actually got four shots on goal. Obviously had a couple of tough moments as well, which is going to happen with a younger fourth-line player. But I think, I mean, Jujar Kara got the one-way contract in the summer. So, you know, Shirelli and the management team showed some faith in him. And I think if he's going to be a regular and continue to develop, you got to see more of the energy and some of the more straight-line play that we saw tonight. Yeah, he was much more impactful in the game tonight. You noticed him. The problem earlier in the season, the end of the game, someone could call in and say, how did how Jujar play? And you're like, oh, you know what? I didn't really notice. But tonight you noticed him. Now, I, there, I mean, there's you want to talk about refing. There's a play that eventually, I believe, Nurse got a penalty on the play where the player grabbed Jujar's arm in the defensive end, and he ends up losing the puck, and there's a turnover. Nurse has to take a penalty right afterwards. That was, should have been a call against the Dallas Stars. And actually, in the, the I think it was the first or second period, in the opposite end, another time, he's skating behind the net, and he gets grabbed and spun around. Those are calls that don't seem to go to the young, inexperienced player that would have gone if it was a bend or if it was a dry set that probably would have made the call. But you notice Jujar tonight, and you have to notice. And, and sometimes it's tough when you're only getting five, six, seven, eight minutes in a game to stay in it. To You've got eight, 10, 12 minutes between shifts, but that is the role of a fourth-line player. It creates more ice time for you when you're able to do something in those moments. And I thought Jujar was much better tonight than we'd seen earlier in the season. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think it's and and look, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like I'm heaping him in or anything because he's a young guy. He's going to learn. But I mean, that was the beauty of of the Matt Hendricks mentality, mm-hmm. right? That I mean, it's great. Jujar got the got the contract. There's some commitment from the team. But what did Matt Hendricks always say? That he realized earlier in his career, he's maybe a few bad games or even a few bad shifts from spending the rest of his career in the American Hockey League. So, you know, I'm not saying that players necessarily have to should have that fear all the time and think, oh, my God, my career could be ruined. Um, but, you know, you've, you saw that commitment and level detail from, you know, Hendricks, Latestu, some of those depth guys that have played a long well, time. Well, if you look at uh, Hendricks, though, when did he get his break in the National Hockey League? He was much older than Jujar. Because his hit so yeah, good point. At, at that point he he had a much better realization and appreciation of being at this level and sometimes young players don't realize what it takes and I've been there and it, it you, you come out of junior everything's good and you think it's going to be easy in the National Hockey League until you've been through a few things on the negative side till you realize okay you know what I got to appreciate this and to appreciate this I got to make sure that every time I step on the ice I make sure I get another shift. And Hendricks did it as good as anyone because he'd seen the other side of it. So hopefully Jujar finds that in his game and becomes an effective fourth-line player because what he can do is he's got speed and he's got size. And if he brings those each and every night, that makes us and uh, the Oilers have an effective fourth line. Want to remind you, you can go to the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. The Japanese Village goal light is on. We turn it on whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game. You can print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village, downtown Southside and Northside. Rob, I've lost the exact text because a few have been coming in here, but somebody, we've had a few comments about your Ken Hitchcock story, and somebody was asking about Greg Hoggood. Yeah, I played with Hoggy for four years in junior. 
prison guard now in Kamloops. Oh, wow. Yeah, he played. Yeah, but one he, on he was an offensively prolific junior player as well, wasn't a, he? Incredible junior player. I, I, I'm guessing now this I might be off by a bit. I think he had 130 points one year well, as a defenseman. Thank goodness for Google. Give me a second. Yeah, so he, he actually, when I, I was a defenseman when I went to junior. I didn't become a forward till my third year, but Hogg and I were defense partners on a power play for three straight years in Kamloops. So we got to be, uh, we had a pretty prolific power play in Kamloops. He was a, a dynamite hockey player. He's from St. Albert, my hometown. We played baseball together, then played junior, played world juniors, won a gold medal together, uh, and had a, a pretty good NHL career considering he was a, you know, a five foot eight defenseman. But yeah, I, I see Hoggy every once in a while when I go through Kamloops, and he's a prison guard at the the Kamloops prison. Wow. Yeah. We should try to get him on Inside Sports some night. Uh, he absolutely would come on Inside Sports. Uh, he had 133 points in 87-88. He did three years of 119 points or more in junior, 133 in 87-88. And then he, he wound up playing for the Oilers, obviously, but before he uh, was an Oiler, he played against the Oilers as a Bruin in the 1990 Stanley Cup Finals. He so did. There you go. Yeah. He was a good hockey, very, very smart hockey player, Hockey was. And I when I was growing up we used to have to go to uh, power skating greg hoggett when he was 15 or 14 was helping with i believe it was audrey bakewell's hockey school and there was an nhl player that was in the hockey or in the power skating and hoggy was teaching the nhl player how to skate no and hoggy was 14 or 15 <laughs> yes hoggy was that good a skater that's incredible good story for sure from uh, rob's junior days in kamloops as the oilers beat his old kamloops coach tonight and the Dallas Stars 5-4. Jamie Benn had a really nice game for Dallas. You'll hear from him when we get back. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast. It's the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chat. So the Oilers get a late goal from Matt Benning. They knock off the Dallas Stars 5-4. The Oilers had struggled to score in the first period all season long. They only had three coming into tonight. They do get two this evening. Dallas eventually went ahead 4-3 in the third. Nugent Hopkins tied it. Benning won it. Jamie Benn, impressive game for the Dallas Stars. He scored a couple of times. Here he is. Sucky game of this road trip, and you have a lead late in the third. How disappointing is it to not come away with the victory, especially after you chase the game early on? It's disappointing. Um, you know, when you have a... Late, late in the third, you gotta, you know, find a way to hunker down and get the job done. And um, they're a good team; they didn't give up, and obviously found a way to uh, get some goals late. What's the level of concern about five-on-five five scoring? I mean, obviously the power play uh, carries you tonight to, to keep it close, but five-on-five, five, this is a team that's still struggling to, to get things done. I mean, you you work for every opportunity they get, and I think you saw it. Uh, in their play, they uh, you know they worked hard and they got a couple bounces and you know we can take a, a page out of their book for this next game here. Uh, you know, it's tough to score goals and you got to work for everything you get and you know sometimes uh, you do a little extra you get a couple bounces. Positive side though, where the power play works, Alexander Radulov rejoins your line. You guys are dynamic tonight. A tremendous game from, from Alexander. What do you see? Uh, from that end of it, I think uh, just him personally is getting a little bit more comfortable around here, and um, you know he's a good player, he's an exciting player, and you know, he's uh, pretty dynamic on the power play there. Well, that's Jamie Ben and talking about Alexander Radulov, who was outstanding tonight, named the game's second star, but the Oilers overcome that attack. They overcome a 
awesome Dallas power play to get the 5-4 win. So, uh, I mean, the Oilers had that four-game losing streak in the four games since. They go 2-1-1, one, and one, so not a bad record, but they got to start accumulating some points here, and the Washington Capitals are up next. Yeah, it should be a fun one. Again, you're going to see a team with some high-end talent. They've got, you know, Backstrom, Ovechkin, Knutsov. They've got some players that can put the puck in the net, uh, but also a team that's not playing as well as they're four, expected. five, and one. Yeah, they're, they're below three, five, five and one. So yeah, they're below go. 500. They got smacked tonight. I think it was six-two is the final score yeah. tonight in Vancouver. But it, I think what you're seeing too that in the National Hockey League, there's no there's no easy night. I mean. Probably before the season started, if someone would have said to you, who are going to be the two worst teams in the NHL? A lot of people would have said Vancouver and Vegas. And Vegas right now, what are they, 7-1 and one on the season? And the Vancouver Canucks are a couple of games over 500 as well. Yeah, 6-3-1 and one now. Yeah, so uh, it, there's, there's no bad teams in the National Hockey League. And if you don't bring your A game, you're in trouble. So the Edmonton Oilers are finding that. And also with the Edmonton Oilers, they, everybody is gunning for them now. They're not surprising anyone. They know how good they can be. So they're getting the other team's A game. I'm sure they'll see the Washington Capitals' A game here in a, in a couple of nights. And... It's also one of those teams that comes to town you get excited for because you get to see the grade eight, Alex Ovechkin, and there's not a whole lot of years probably left in his career, so you want to make sure you get to take advantage every time you get a chance to see him. And what's great about Saturday is that for the fourth weekend in a row, we got a regular season doubleheader here on 6.30, Chad. So the coverage is going to start at 3.30 from the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium with David Morley in the countdown to kickoff. Then they'll have the play-by-play of the Eskimos and the Stampeders at 5. And, Rob, we should remind people if they're going to that Eskimos game, 6.30 Chad Santa's Anonymous is going to be set up there. Chris Sheets from Kissing Country 103.9 will have his cool bus there. And you can donate a toy or uh, you can just make a monetary donation. That always helps as well as we uh, we get the Christmas season rolling. And 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous does so much for, for kids in the Edmonton area. And then as soon as the Eskimos game is uh, over, right around 8, when we come over here for face-off Oilers and Capitals, and then you and I get to do this after the game Saturday night. Yeah, looking forward to it. It should be a, a fun day, and hopefully it's a happy day in Edmonton hopefully with a couple a sweep, victories. Because the, la- the last three, the Eskimos have won, but the Oilers weren't able to. The so Oilers are due. got to do their part now. Oilers are due. There we go. That is Rob Brown, our Inside the Game analyst. I want to thank Patrick Bauer, working very hard as our studio producer this evening back at the 630 Jet Broadcasting Compound. Our engineer here at Rogers Place is Troy Bowler. You can get more on the Oilers page on 630Jet.com as the Edmonton Oilers beat the Dallas Stars 5-4. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks so much for tuning in. You've been listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Have a great night.